2: Billy, how
0: you feeling after the uh, the Marlins lost last night? You know, it could have been worse. How? How? Well, <laughs> so we were talking before the game started, and I was yeah. telling people, I'm like, this could 100% be one of those games of the Marlins lose, like, 11-2. to two, mm-hmm. And then tomorrow bounce back and win 4-3 to three just because that's the way the season's gone. So and that's baseball. That's baseball, and that's the way the Marlins have been this year. So, like, I'm not super concerned going into today's game. I know that sounds crazy with it being in a... In a elimination game mm-hmm. i struggle over some words sometimes me too elimination is sometimes one of those elimination
2: words. not one i struggle with
0: interesting sometimes it also depends on what the word is before the word that i struggle with right like if the words are too similar then i don't know something goes wrong in my head some start... words
2: leading into certain words don't work yeah for me as well yeah it's very it's a tricky combination of words i'm trying to think of some off the top of my head right now but that's I, one for you,
0: clearly. I, uh, Elimination. I, sh- I think restrictions. Is it restrictions apply? I'm trying to think. There restrictions apply. There's yeah. uh, you got to stop with the s. It's a running s. You just keep going, and then restrictions turns into apply, and then there's some some words what? and like some combinations of words and verbiage, if you will, like in the ad reads that we have to do. Uh, that when it's coming up, I know I'm going to struggle over that, right. and then sure enough, I always get tongue twisted on those words. I don't know what causes it. I don't know what the deal is, but uh, yeah. anyway, you nervous about tonight, or you have a big watch party tonight? Uh, well, it's not a bit. You keep telling everyone uh, I'm having a big watch party, and everyone's like confused as to what that means. Like you've told every guest, that we. I think you told Austin Eckler that we have a big watch party, which is weird because. Austin Eckler is going to air on Friday, and you're telling him that when we recorded with him on <laughs> Tuesday, you have a big watch party tonight. So I like,
2: was only telling Austin in the event he wanted to stop by your watch party and help you out. I realized what I was doing. Yeah. I do. Well, he I doesn't. didn't. i got to be honest. I didn't at the time.
0: I mean. Austin Eckler is not actually our friend. I, well, I like to think he is. I uh, beg to differ. I do, too. I was actually thinking on the way in today. Yeah. I know I said that, but I didn't mean that. I was actually thinking on the way in today. The idea that he said that he was willing to do a watch party with us for the Super Bowl, even though he's probably just being polite, is kind of crazy, but also maybe not something we should just let go. I'm not letting it go. Right? So I was actually thinking the Super Bowl is probably not the game we want to do that in, right? Because the Super Bowl... Everyone's going to be watching the Super Bowl. But if we could do like the AFC or NFC championship game with him, yeah. I think that might be the play. I think he's hoping he's playing in the AFC championship game. I know he's hoping that. And like <laughs> this is also what I'm thinking. And Man. I don't know how to go about this the most non-offensive way possible is – this is going to take planning if we wanna do this because presumably this will be expensive in some sense. We'll have to set up cameras and stuff somewhere. We're gonna have to go to him. He's not gonna fly to us, right? So then do we go to Las Vegas to do this or do we go to LA to do this just to watch a game with him? Then we'd have to sell it. It's like I'm going through all these things in my head and I'm like, this will take months of planning and coordinating, but you have to engage him now-ish. So how do you do that to lock it in while also not saying you probably aren't going to be there. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, um.
2: Because now I was thinking of some of the other games we could do. Like, we could do wild card weekend, but that means they would have to win the division. They're not. Kansas City probably is, you know. So (laughs) there's no gentle way of approaching this, really, you know. Uh, Well, that's why I'm saying maybe we start, I think. Like, hey, you want to call the AFC Championship game with us? And he's going to be like, hey, guys, you're my friends. I want to play in the AFC
0: Championship game. What if we pitch it as, do you want to call the NFC Championship game with us? And he forgets that they're on the same day. You know what I mean? Ooh, I like that idea. Hey, we're thinking of doing something championship weekend you want to do the nfc championship game with us and then he could say yes or no and then he'll at some point think wait a minute those games are on the same day I might but he's be locked into us already yeah yes. or he or can't
2: we play. can't or, play in the afc championship game or we just yeah that's how that works he's Is he locked com- in he committed i mean it's finding yeah. yeah
0: that's <laughs> exactly how that works i think our spin could actually be like yeah you know like they're not on at the same time you know like you could theoretically play in the afc championship game and then like We'll just do it from your locker room or whatever. We'll do right. the NFC championship game with you in your locker room. If they get the early game. Yeah. Or you just watch it with us leading up to the game. And if you have to leave like five minutes early into the fourth quarter or whatever, like feel free to go, you know, stretch or whatever it is you have to do. Ooh, live from the I cold tub. I couldn't hear Mike
2: White. this. I said live from the cold tub. Oh wow, that's a good idea. Yeah. Now I think divisional weekend is actually the best idea. I'll tell you what. There's two games Saturday, two games Sunday. We're guaranteed, like, he's got to play on one of those two days if he's in it. He might not be. So he plays Saturday. We do a game on Sunday.
0: I feel like. But if he loses. I mean, this is going to take a lot of coordinating yeah. is yeah. the thing that I'm thinking about. And right. like Super Bowl, you agree, Super Bowl is not the play because no one's going to watch or watch along with us during the Super Bowl. You watch at a party. I would tend to agree with you. You you go to party. I'm going to be honest with you. I wouldn't watch a watch along of ours. I don't think I want to do it on Super Bowl. Exactly right. Right. Plus, I was thinking, and this is another you know organization that has to go on. Is do we stay through to the Super Bowl this year? Like, especially depending on who's playing. Like, do you? I was thinking because we have the Monday show. Like. What if we do? And this has nothing to do with what we're going to talk about on stupidity. We're just talking it out right now. A new yep. segment I we're like to call "talking it out." Talking it out. It out. That's all yeah. it is. Yep. So we tried that once. Do we stay on? Do we stay in Las Vegas and go to the game and then do the Monday show like Monday morning reporting back? Because I was thinking we can do back what I did when I covered the Super Bowl at ESPN. Is like. Be on the field after the game, getting clips and interviews with people, mm. and use that for a Monday hangover. Um, uh, what I'm do down. you think about that? I'm
2: down with staying through the Super Bowl. Are we go into the Super Bowl. Are we actually going to the game that's with Gordy what, That's what
0: I'm. Well, so that's <laughs> what I'm, that's that's what I'm thinking. Right. Is I think that we. Go to the game. Yep. After the game, we're on the field with mics getting clips and audio, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then Monday, on the Monday Hangover, we're recapping the game. Love it. And we can use some of those clips. But I don't know who I talked to because I, I – while this sounds like a great idea, I think that this is also going to be very expensive. These new added things that I'm adding on. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Plus added on to that is Austin Eckler, maybe the week before doing things like, like big plans. The talent fee for Austin will be will be the largest amount. You well, know like I don't that. that's yeah, that's for someone else to decide and you sell or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like and we'll go to him. We'll just set up, which is also weird. It's like, yeah, we're gonna watch with you, but also we're gonna have to take over your house for the day. <laughs> and probably the day before for testing. So you cool with that? <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm good with it. Pretend you don't see the lights and all the cameras and all that stuff in your living room while you're, you know, eating dinner the day before, and you know Thomas is there setting things up. He has his own stuff. He has his own stuff. Yeah, why doesn't he? us? He does have his own stuff, but I don't think it's necessarily the stuff that we like. He's not going to fit us all into that room that he does the interviews with us on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's in his that's in his L.A. place, presumably. Yes. Yeah, yeah we're, not his Vegas place. Yeah, I wonder what his Vegas place. Again, is. Again just to uh, remind you, we're uh, we're talking things out. We're just talking <laughs> things out. We're just talking things out. Planning the Super Bowl in the middle of the MLB playoffs because this is when you need to start the planning. We're just talking things out. Yeah. trying to figure things out. What are we going to do with the Super Bowl? How do we not let this Austin Eckler thing go, even though he was probably just being polite to us? Mm-hmm. And how do we capitalize on this? And also, how do we stay through? Because part of part of the thing with if we stay through the Super Bowl, you got to whisper this part. Yeah. Stay through the Super Bowl, and we do the Monday show from Las Vegas, mm-hmm. from our hotel room, whatever, or even Super Bowl night. We could do it right after the Why Super not? Bowl, just air up. It. Yeah. Exactly right, yeah. we'll just, you know, we'll go through with the adrenaline, whatever, and then we can leave on Monday morning, whatever, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So we do the Monday hangover show from, well, maybe we can do it from the field Ooh, after the game. I like that. So we can do the Monday hangover after right after the Super Bowl on the field, tape it there, send it back. DraftKings would love that. That I think we could get sold, right? Mm-hmm. So we do that, but in between, Friday, radio row and content. And Sunday, when we do the Super Bowl, is Saturday, which presumably is when Gronk Beach will be. And I feel like this is the year we do that. This is the year we go to Gronk Beach. Chris isn't on the show anymore, but we have Gordon in there now. Kay Funk is still kind of playing quarterback. Share getting Bear. Ready together. Share Bear seems to be the guy that actually makes things everyone. happen. Yeah. Share Bear makes things happen. And last week we had their friend, uh, I don't remember his name, but he's the guy that brought Brandon out the, Siler. No, not Brandon Seiler. Uh, we have the guy that Carl bought. Douglas? No, the guy that bought out the whole stage. Oh, yeah, at the Gronk Beach Board. Yeah, yeah, so it seems like. $300,000. That's <laughs> the guy. We just talked to him her a couple more shoes. times. <laughs> yeah, he comes, and then we he invites us to the VIP situation. I was already telling my wife, I was like, you know, maybe we can have an extended. She's never been to Las Vegas. I've never been to Las Vegas. I was like, maybe, you know. Talk to, maybe I talk to Kristen and say, "Hey, you know what? Maybe maybe hook up Billy with a little bit of a bigger room, and then you can come. She has family there; the kids can come. And then when we go to those things, the family bring can your watch kids to the, Vegas. No, but she has family there, so the family can watch. The family you're can bringing watch. your family to Vegas. Listen to me, guys. We're just talking it out. Okay, we're just talking okay. it out right Again, now. You okay, mind, you're talking it out. We're just talking it out. Yeah. My wife's not going to go." And leave the kids behind, right? But she has family there, so she can come and they can watch the kids, and then we can go to Gronk Beach. Got you know what it. I mean? But you're still bringing your wife to Vegas, yeah. But what I'm, I'm a bore, I'm not gonna do anything fun, anyways. Like, what am I gonna do? Anyway, you're right, you're right. What are we, doing? Right. What? What are we doing today? Right now yeah. on stupidity. Yeah. Oh, we're gonna talk. It's the MLB is playoffs. Yeah, we're gonna. Hot yeah, hot yeah. Hot yeah, this is stupidity. We're just talking, guys. You're we're just talking it out. Talking it's, it out. That was what we it like to call talking it out. That was a little meeting. Yep. A little meeting it was of a a the a Productive meeting. I feel well. We didn't have any closure, but we threw ideas out there. You know what I mean? A Little spitball sesh that we got out there. It was nice. Leading into this. This episode about the Astros and the cheating scandal (laughs) and a new documentary on PBS about it
2: (laughs) just flowed right into it.
0: Happy playoffs. Let's talk about the Astros cheating with Ben Ryder. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text hope ny 467 In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boothill Casino Resort in Kansas, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
2: Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Ben Writer is with us. He's got a new documentary out uh, about the Houston Astros and their scandal. It's streaming now on PBS. Uh, ben, why'd you why'd you want this story to be told? Why were you so involved? You've been involved in this story for a couple of years now, and the story still has interest to so many people. And the baseball playoffs get underway today, so this is actually a great time, perfect time for you to be releasing this movie. Uh, why'd you want to tell this story?
1: Well, I've been covering this story for nine years now, going back to that initial story I wrote for Sports Illustrated in 2014, when I went down to Houston to write about what was then the worst baseball team in 50 years and came away thinking they were on to something, that they were going beyond Moneyball, that they came up that they came up with a new team building philosophy that we thought would work. And of course, it ended up on the cover of Sports Illustrated with the prediction that they would win the World Series in 2017 which they did. That was supposed to be, you know, a one-off story, but obviously it took on a life of its own. I wrote a book about their rise, was shocked when the cheating scandal broke in 2019. So this thing keeps going and going and going. And look, guys, like love them or hate them, the Astros are simply the model franchise of this era for better and for worse. And their stories as relevant right now as it will be three years from now, as it will be 50 years from now.
2: Why do you think that is? Why do you why do you think people are so interested in this story?
1: Well, they're the most successful baseball team of this era, right? Seven yeah. straight playoff appearances as of this week, four World Series appearances during that time, two that was- World Series victories, not just in 2017, the cheating season, but last year as well. So clearly they've set a standard for success in Major League Baseball. And... One that is spread throughout the league. Look at the Baltimore Orioles. Their leaders came from the Astros front office. These guys are the best team in the American League this year, having followed a similar path from you know the basement to the to the to champions of, of their division anyway, as the Astros did. Uh the most influential franchise in the league, who also happened to be at the center of the biggest scandal of the era. So it's really continues to be worth unpacking both the triumphs and the failure of this operation um really you can't tell the story of baseball right now without telling the story of the Astros what was the triumph the triumph is their success i right. mean look people are but it outraged. came at a great
2: expense ben like you it, know
1: yes it did come at a great expense and we're talking about that too but we're also looking at this new way of building a team that the Astros essentially invented harnessing technologies, being the first adopters of so many technologies that are now spread throughout the game, whether it's high-speed video, uh, whether it's using TrackMan, you know, radar technologies in novel ways, player development, player acquisition. Uh, The Astros were, you know, run by essentially baseball outsiders like Jeff Luno and a lot of the guys he brought in there, and they turned the game upside down. uh, And, you know, the fact that the team went too far – in, their, in the new ways in which they were doing things is also part of the story.
2: Can you take us back to like the who, what, when, where, how, why? How did this scandal
1: start? <laughs> well, uh, the film dives into this in, in some depth, obviously. I think what you got to know is that between 2015 and 2018, sign stealing was a huge under the radar problem in the league. And the league, in a lot of ways, brought it upon itself. Right. By introducing all these new video resources into clubhouses and the replay system and then lightly regulating them, really. Like it's kind of open Pandora's box uh, in this way. Sign stealing baseball is not new, as we know. It's gone back over a century, you know the shot heard round the world five decades later was revealed to have very likely been the result of illegal sign stealing. So it was not just the Astros who are using these technologies to cross the line, really, as far as stealing signs. We know the Yankees did it to some extent. We know the Red Sox did it to some extent. It is safe to assume that there are many other teams out there who are doing this that we just don't know about. This is the context in which what the Astros did happen. Now, is it probable to certain that the astros took this farther than other teams as far as the trash can banging scheme as far as the extent and the frequency to which they did it yes i would say it is i think astros would admit that at least many of them maybe even astros fans would um you know i know astros fans say what's the difference you know everybody was doing this we're just being scapegoated i see that side of things too but the Astros were extreme in every single thing that they did, and that did lead to great on the field success, and it also led to other things as well.
0: Do you think they'd do it again? Because it's it was worth it, right, for them? Totally, yes. Because uh, no, like
2: the play, I, I the don't play, think they would. I don't well, think they're they now really... out of a job, Billy. That's the only, and AJ Hamps. That's the only yeah. But AJ's like
0: down. the the players largely got away with it. Like they have, I guess, kind of that scar, that scarlet letter on them, right? Going throughout the rest of their career as the ones that cheated. But, like, for the most part, you stick it to the Astros, right? Like, as the players move from team to team, you don't necessarily think, oh, this guy's a cheater, Carlos Correa's a cheater, whatever, right? Like, there's a little bit of that, but it feels
1: like it sticks more to the team than to the individual players involved. I think it's both, Billy. I really do. Like, Correa with the twins, when he steps up to the plate, we showed in the doc, like, stadiums are cheating. Cheater, cheater, cheater at him. It's going to follow these players... Forever. Someone in the doc says, you know, when we talk about the Astros of this era, the first thing you're going to talk about is the cheating scandal. The second thing is going to be the World Series successes and all of this. Like, this is part of their legacy. Would they have done it again, knowing what happened now? I really don't think so, especially given the fact that this team was built to win in 2017 and very well was it certainly was talented enough to win the World Series without having done this at all. A lot of studies that statisticians have done suggest that it doesn't even seem like it really helped them that much offensively when they were doing it versus when they're not doing it by a lot of metrics. They hit better on the road than they did at home that season. How do you explain that? Uh, I think, no, I don't think that they would have done this again, knowing it would be exposed like this, knowing they'd have been villainized like this, knowing their reputations would have carried this for not just the rest of their career, but the rest of their lives. And honestly, the next six years after that, in which they made the World Series every single year, including this year, shows that there was a lot more to their success than banging on trash cans.
2: The postseason, not the World Series, but you're right. They've had incredible success right. since this happened.
1: Yep. Yeah, six straight postseasons, I should That's have say, And, right. you know, possibly this season, five World Series in seven years. We'll see where they go. How do you think this is going to affect them after their careers? In other words, like, do you think this is going to have some effect on maybe getting into the Hall of Fame for some of these players? I think Altuve is probably a guy that could get in the Hall of Fame. Correa has a chance. Guys like that. Well, I mean, Mike, would you have thought that Carlos Beltran would have been a first ballot Hall of Famer last year? I, I probably would have said yes. I'm a Hall of Fame voter, and I, I'll, I'll say I did vote for him based on you know, the, the successes of his career, notwithstanding what happened in 2017. But he didn't make it, right? And he wasn't particularly close. So I do think that this will probably follow them there, just as it did, just as the steroids era followed a lot of those guys, some of whom aren't in. And you know, Altuve, I know, especially for Astros fans, is a unique case because he's probably receives more hate. For this, than anybody else. This was probably the most likable player in the league, right? Before the scandal happened, for reasons that we know, including his height, the way he plays, all that stuff. Uh, he is just creamed whenever he goes to opposing stands. I was watching the Mariners Astros game last week, and the biggest cheer in Seattle's ballpark that night was when Altuve's drilled on the elbow by a pitch, right? Like, that's what the home fans are cheering for, even though, uh, you know, analyses. And testimony suggests that he was a guy who didn't even want the bangs and really didn't even use the bangs. He was one of the few abstainers. Well, of course, he didn't stop it either. So you could argue he was complicit, but he was not the leader of this game. Uh, and he is probably the Astros' most convincing Hall of Fame case right now. It will be very interesting to see in, what, like 10 or 12 years from now when he's eligible, how that shakes out. But, you know, as Tom Verducci says in the film, people are not going to forget this. Who was the leader, Ben? You know, one of the guys we talked to in this podcast who's never spoken before is one of the video, video room staffers for the Astros. Nobody at that level has spoken before. And they were pretty central to this as far as, this is the guy who arranged for the TV screen to be set up behind the dugout at the request of Alex Cora the bench coach, Uh, and he says that it seemed to him like it was Carlos Beltran's idea that, you know, that Beltran was a leader of that team. He was very influential in most ways, in very good ways, right? Like helping guys figure out how to prepare, helping them with off-the-field life. He had a lot of power in that clubhouse. Uh, He was coming from the Yankees, which, as we know, had been involved in some version of this in previous seasons. Uh, And it seemed like he brought this there and kind of got a lot of his largely younger teammates to come along with it. Um, You know, I'm not interested in villainizing anybody, though, here. Like, I don't think Carlos Beltran is a villain. I think it's possible he didn't even, like, realize how this would have been received if it got well, out. Everyone right?
2: was doing it, right? Or yeah, everybody's right?
1: doing it. You know, it's a hundred plus year old tradition in baseball. It's so easy. We got this video stuff everywhere. What am I not supposed to look at it? Are we not supposed to use this stuff? That's crazy. So I would I would guess that he didn't realize, you know, just how this would be received. Although, of course, you know, they weren't doing it in, in the open. Like they were taking af- active measures to try to hide this from everybody, Posing pitchers, umpires even, you know, people in their own front office. So they clearly know it wasn't right what they were doing.
2: The Astros Edge Triumph and Scandal, <clears throat> excuse me, in Major League Baseball premieres tonight, uh, PBS, YouTube. Uh, so check it out. It's actually a really fascinating story. Uh, did A.J. Hinch, did he know? Did, did A.J. Hinch, he had to know, right?
1: He absolutely knew. And in fact, you know, he tried to stop it in kind of weak way it says this in the commissioner's report that report that he broke a cup twice. He broke the monitor they were using to steal signs with a bat as this kind of, you know, half-hearted way of stopping it. And, you know, Antonio Padilla, the video manager we interview in the film says that, you know, he thinks he did that because Hinch actually thought it was hurting the team, but it is kind of an interesting power dynamic in which the manager of the team isn't really happy about this, but doesn't have enough clout in there to stop it right that tells you a lot about how things worked in that clubhouse sometimes these conspiracies we get more conspiracies i know there was uh i i I can remember the one where altuve was covering his shirt was there anything to (laughs) any of these other ones that you found not that i have found you know i make it made it a point to ask somebody who would know antonio padilla who i mentioned before was altuve wearing a jersey wearing a buzzer when he didn't want his jersey ripped off after he hit that bomb off A-Roldis Chapman in the 2019 ALCS. So yes, and he was unequivocal that, no, absolutely not. That was never discussed. That did not happen. Uh, Padilla feels it's you know a shame that an otherwise or certainly a good person like Jose Altuve continues to be dragged through the mud uh, based on conspiracy theories like that. So, you know, I think that's something that we can put to bed, put to rest at this point. But, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of fans out there who aren't going to let it go. I say that with a
2: Yankee hat on, obviously. I see that. that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Jeff Luna, did baseball get it right with him? He was the GM of the Asher's at the time. He's the one responsible for putting most of his roster together. They've had an incredible run. Uh, Did baseball get it right?
1: Good question. And we traveled to Spain to interview Jeff Luno for this documentary where he's now on his new life running a soccer team over there. That, by the way, last I checked is in first place in the second division in Spain. So he's yeah. at it again uh, over there. I mean, the guy went to Penn. I think he graduated from Wharton. He knows what he's doing, you know? Yeah. I mean, no. He, I, I would say it's not a big stretch to say he's the most influential baseball executive of this generation and probably the most successful one, too. And he's excommunicated. He's in exile off in Spain. Look, I think that the league's penalty of Luno was fair. Okay, like uh, putting pegging accountability on the general manager of the team, uh, a year long suspension is probably fair. And he says pretty convincingly that he did not technically know that the team was doing this. Antonio Padilla says that he didn't think Luno know. No one was telling him he wasn't down in the clubhouse very much. He didn't design this. And, you know, the commissioner's report even says that there's no evidence that Luno knew about the banging scheme. I don't think that's necessarily the right question, though, because one of the questions I ask is like, shouldn't you know if you're like, shouldn't you want to know? Shouldn't it be on you to care enough to make sure that your team's following the rules, especially after that 2017 memo from Rob Manfred that said, you better make sure your team's following the rules after this Red Sox and Yankee stuff. We're going to hold the GM and the manager accountable if you're not. My theory, it just wasn't part of his like thought process. He was so focused on finding every competitive edge he could on finding every competitive advantage, like sign stealing, whatever. Like it just wasn't a big part of his, of his day to day. Uh, and I think he's being held accountable for that. I think the way accountability shook out for most everybody else outside AJ Hinch is more interesting as far as the players suffering no formal consequences from this as far as the team really suffering very light consequences a five million dollar fine for a two billion dollar organization that's not much four draft picks that's not much that's not much the owner of the team Jim crane you know his team's worth like some someone told me it's worth probably three billion dollars now he bought it for 680 million a decade ago it's a pretty good return on a team that's had great success but it was also you know the center of the biggest baseball scandal of the era
2: is luno bit, uh, is he bitter
1: uh yes and no i'd say watch the film you you'll, you'll see i i mean he thinks that the investigation was a joke is his quote he thinks that it was predetermined uh the, that the outcome was predetermined he thinks that you know he was, he accepts his responsibility he says but there's a strong sense that he feels like he was scapegoated for this Um, and that you know the people who actually did it weren't punished and that the league didn't show very much interest in all the other teams that were certainly sign-stealing at this time as well, although presumably to a lesser extent.
0: There's obviously no way you would know this, but do you believe when Manfred comes out years later and says he regrets the way that that was handled and that he gave all the players
1: immunity? (laughs) Do I believe it? I think strategically that was... If you're Rob Manfred and you work for the owners directly, you know a commissioner of league is not an impartial, like judge-like figure looking out for the best interests of the game. He works at the pleasure of the owners. His he functions more like a CEO, and the owners are his board. So, you know, strategically for the business. No, he wasn't going to punish the players for a lot of reasons. Like, what's going to happen if you suspend the Astros? They're not going to fuel the team. What happens if they've gone to other teams then? You, sus- you hurt other teams. What happens if other teams are revealed to have been doing something as bad, even worse? So you suddenly start suspending, like, a good portion of your league and hurting your business? That's not something a commissioner's going to do. Morally, ethically, do I think he regrets it? Yeah, probably. I mean, certainly players who break the rules probably should face punishment and now he's further empowered to be able to do that if it happens again. But from a business perspective, I don't think he would have done anything different.
0: Did you guys address it all in the documentary Michael Fires and how he kind of like blew this up seemingly, the interview that he had and are there bad feelings towards him in there?
1: Yeah, we mentioned him in the documentary. Um, We we could not talk to him. Um, I, I think he hasn't spoken publicly about this really since that initial athletic report in 2019. But it was just extremely unusual and an incredible job of reporting by Ken Rosenthal and Evan Drellick at The Athletic to get him to go on the record. But incredibly unusual for a baseball player to break the code of silence, the omerta, really, in the way that he did. And if he hadn't, it seems likely that this scandal would not have blown up nearly the way that it did. And it has for the past four years at this point.
2: It seems like you just want you don't you don't seem to have too much of an issue with this, but it seems like you would prefer if the players would step up and take some sort of accountability for it. Right.
1: Yeah. And they have to a certain degree. I mean, Carlos Correa, if you remember in particular, right after the scandal broke, was out there talking about, you know, who did what, who did it, you know, who didn't participate. They have expressed some remorse. Uh, but I, I will say that, you know, none of the 2017 Astros we approached for this film to talk would do it. Right. And the commissioner would not talk to us either. Uh Maybe I was naive, but we probably got more no's than I thought we were going to. I think the general message was, you know, this thing's over. It's dead and buried. Nothing to see here. Uh, It's a pretty interesting reaction that nobody will talk about a story that's supposedly not relevant anymore. Right. Like that as a journalist,
2: you're a Yankee fan like Mike. I mean.
1: Right. As a journalist, that kind of like raises your antenna and suggests that, hey, this is actually a story that continues to reverberate and deserves a a fair and down the middle telling.
0: You think there's more left to be uncovered? Like that could be why people aren't getting back to you on stuff? Like, is there is there maybe more there?
1: Yeah, I think there's more there, certainly, as far as what other teams were doing. Right. Like other teams besides the Astros and the Red Sox and the Yankees. You know, there's been reporting about what the Dodgers were doing. Certain other teams have been mentioned. There's also... I'll be honest, there's a big question and it's very fuzzy about what they were doing in that 2017 postseason. Cause we talked to this fan. Yeah. You know, maybe you heard about this fan, this guy named Tony Adams, who spent like weeks and weeks and weeks painstakingly analyzing every single at bat. The Astros took at home this week at that season and documenting who used the bangs on what pitches, you know, who didn't use the bangs. He says he couldn't hear any bangs in the postseason or actually after like late september he could not detect any bangs he's not sure if that's because the audio was too loud or what he just couldn't find them but the commissioner's report suggests that they were using this video monitor to continue to steal signs through the end of the postseason so were they banging or were they using some other method to communicate to to uh, guys at the plate during the world series or were they not we just don't know um, and, you know, I, that's something I'm st- I'd still like to know, to be honest. Uh,
2: I should ask this maybe four or five questions ago as a follow up, Mikey, a., my apologies. But you're you're right. Um, Jeff Luna's soccer team. Did you notice if
1: they were wearing buzzers or not? Or? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I didn't see any buzzer, but I, I think they finished. This is not like a, a, a successful team. Recently. I think I think they, they're called Leganes. It's it's in a suburb of Madrid. They finished like 14th last year. And right now they're in first place in La Liga too, which means if they stay that way and there's a long way to go, they would be promoted to La Liga next year, like with wow. Real Madrid and Barcelona. I mean, that's if that actually happens, that's a huge, huge financial reward. And you know, this is not the only team that he and his investor own. They own a team in Mexico, they own some teams in Africa. Like they're building this kind of like international consortium of soccer teams using the same principles. Uh, that turn the Astros into what they are.
2: We'll get you out of here in a minute. Billy's got his Marlins hat on today. Marlins have made the playoffs. We're all Mm -hmm. very excited down here in South Florida. Marlins, Phillies, who you got?
1: hmm I think the Phil's, unfortunately <laughs> so, so, sorry guys sorry to sorry to say that but you know in your
2: face Billy I,
1: oh. oh man I don't, you know I just, I'm just, just seeing a my,
2: Mike. I mean
1: I'm just seeing a lot of uh, a lot of Schwar bombs in the next couple of games here from the Phillies Yeah uh, uh who's going to win the World Series this year? Who do you think? Uh I mean, look, the Braves look like an offensive juggernaut, like a historical offensive juggernaut. I have some questions about their pitching uh, in particular, but this team can really score some runs. I couldn't help but notice, you know, the Astros kind of slipped into the postseason and then slipped into the, AL West, into the AL West title on the last day. But you look at the odds and you look at the probabilities on things like fan graphs right now, they're the third favorite, right? So this team's run may not be over. And it's worth noting, you know, Last year as World Series champs, even though Luno's been gone for a while, I think 19 members of that roster were people that Luno had brought into the organization, either in the big leagues or the minors. So his fingerprints, even though they've done a lot to try to distance themselves from him and from his tactics, his fingerprints remain all over that organization
2: all right man we really uh we we appreciate the time ben check it out his new documentary the astros edge triumph and scandal in major league baseball uh it premieres It's streaming right now uh pbs and youtube uh we really appreciate the time ben uh great story fascinating story and uh enjoy the baseball playoffs man
1: thanks man thanks for having me
2: Stu Gatz here for my friends over at Miller Lite. A lot's changed over the years. One thing that hasn't, the great taste of Miller Lite Away everything you don't need and holds on to what matters most. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and is less filling. Tastes like Miller Time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com/stew or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Ninety-six calories per twelve ounces. Fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer. Say goodbye.